This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Welcome to the show. The Thursday already. Week goes fast for you. Welcome to February. That January went by too. February 1st, Sean Drotar, Sandy Clough on my left, Danny Bailey in the booth. The caller text number 303-831-1340. If you are so inclined, by the way, if you either have the Miley Sports app or you go to MileySports.com, you can watch the program as well as we're sitting here in studio. And uh, um, if you want to watch two guys talk about sports, that's, that's how it works. So you can do that anytime you'd like as well. The Denver Nuggets without Nikola Jokic fell to the Oklahoma City Thunder. As expected, they were pretty game, quite frankly, and had a chance to win it. And we'll break that down a little bit more, but it really is Jokic. And the overarching way that the NBA and, and its fan base is looking at the MVP vote that, that I think we want to start with. Jokic, of course, did not play last night, sore back. Uh, whether he will play against the Trailblazers on Friday. They play the Trailblazers on Friday and Sunday, both here in Denver. Remains to be seen. The Trailblazers, of course, had their win of the year last night when they knocked off da- watched, the visiting uh, Damian Lillard and the Bucks. That game at, at great length. I didn't watch from start to finish, but watched uh, most all of it. And uh, Lillard uh, was good, but the Blazers, coached by old friend Chauncey Billups, right? had... The right answer is at the end of the game, they wouldn't let him take a potential game-winning or game-tying shot at the end. They made Brooke Lopez, who is a capable three-point mm-hmm. shooter, but not perhaps as dangerous as Lillard from three-point range, uh, take uh, the big shot at the end, and he missed it. Uh, Portland hung on to win. Portland deserved to win. And uh, Portland's playing pretty well. Aiton had a nice game last night. Uh, another old friend, Jeremy Grant, was right. was very good. Uh, Simons, uh, in I, thought the si- I thought Simons was, was terrific. Excellent, excellent. And, and, and might have been the best guard on the floor. He, 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 he was, was great. clutch. He really, was clutch. really good. And and uh, I I I guess we we say the worst five teams in the league are Portland, Charlotte, Washington, San Antonio, and Detroit. But you know what? Uh, the plus minus gap between Portland and Charlotte and Washington, too, for that matter, is six games. Okay, Portland's minus seven, Charlotte, Washington, minus 13, San Antonio, minus 14, Detroit, minus 19. Portland's a hell of a lot closer to the minus six teams, Golden State, Brooklyn, and Toronto, in in my opinion. Yeah. And not far from Houston. They're only three games behind Houston. Houston's a minus four. Memphis and Atlanta, minus three. So I, I, I don't know that we can call them the feudal five as much as the feudal four. Uh, Portland's not going to the playoffs no. or the play-in tournament. We know that, but Houston, Golden State, Brooklyn, and Toronto aren't much better. And I, I would say with Portland, I, I can see the plan. Yeah, I, De- I can De- too, De- just as you can is, with Houston. Yeah, DeAndre Ayton's in the center. You see that. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon is a really good player. You see the talent of Simon. Very solid last Jeremy night. Grant is good. Yeah. Uh, Jabari Walker, a starting former yes, Colorado. Now, he's not starting. playing a no, lot no, of minutes. Not getting big minutes, but he is starting. He's starting. And so uh, have, I, I wondered why he came out last year. Right. Uh, but he seems to have developed nicely. And he can give him a few minutes, whether he starts or comes off the bench. And he looks like he's bulked up some stronger. So I, I, I'm not saying Portland's going to 
threaten the Nuggets no. without Jokic. I don't think they will. But you look at their Both bench. Games you know, are in Denver. Scoot Henderson, but, uh, the third yeah. pick in the draft. Now, right now, they have two first-rounders, Chris Murray and lottery pick Shade and Sharp are both out. Yeah. But again, I, I, I look at Portland's roster and the ages. I'm like, I, I get what they're doing. And I'm, I, I think if I were a Trailblazers fan, I'd look at it and say, uh, you know, we should be patient with this. This plan actually looks pretty sound. Uh, they're not there yet, and they're not a threat to the Nuggets, but it is interesting to see where they go because, as it stands right now, that Northwest Division is just loaded. It's the top three teams in the West. Portland seems to have a plan. Utah seems to have a plan. I mean, it's really, there's a lot of strength there, but obviously in Milwaukee, you have a Two-time MVP in Giannis Antetokounmpo. Of course, he had 27 points last night, a little low on the rebounds in the 119-116 loss to the Trailblazers. But there's there's a little bit of controversy around the NBA regarding its new rule where you have to have 65 games in order to win not just MVP, but all the major awards. You have to have 65 games. Now, we went through and looked at some of this, and we, we did that a little bit yesterday as well. But... There are only a handful of players that have ever won MVP with fewer than 65 games. So when the idea is that it's somehow arbitrary, Tyrese Halliburton of the, the Pacers came out and kind of complained that it was arbitrary. Well, here's the thing. It's kind it's of not. Stupid rule. It's kind of not. Because the players that have played fewer than 65, remember there, are six, there have been 68 MVPs in the history of the NBA now since Bob Pettit was given the first in the 50s. 55, 56. Carl Malone played 49 games, but he played it in a 50-game season. Yeah. He played 98% of the games. That's right. Bill Walton is the exception. He played 58. He's the exception. LeBron James had 62. I get that. Giannis had 63. Bob Cousy had 64, but that was in a 72-game season. Exactly. So, again, you're only talking exactly. about LeBron and Giannis. LeBron came three games short. Giannis, two games short. And beyond that, only Bill Walton stands out yeah. in what, Many NBA observers, and, and Sandy, you, you were one of them, consider maybe the worst season in the history of the NBA. Yeah, I, I think so. And 1977-78. Portland was the defending champion. Mm-hmm. They had beaten Philadelphia the year before. Uh, that was uh, the first year of uh, uh, the ABA, um, uh, at least some of the teams in the ABA, being absorbed into the NBA. And, and Portland wins the title against Philadelphia, Julius and George McGinnis and world be free and all the rest. So they come out and they win something like 50 of their first 60 the next year. And Walton's going crazy. I mean, absolutely going crazy. In fact, the Nuggets were one of the few teams that finally uh, was able to handle Portland in Portland uh, after Portland won a zillion games in a row at home. The Nuggets went in there on a Sunday afternoon. I remember the game was a CBS game. You can watch it on YouTube now if you want. Uh, and the Nuggets were, were were at the height of their powers then. Uh, I, I think maybe as an NBA franchise until the current edition, iteration, the Nuggets right, won, yeah. won a championship. And in 1978, the Nuggets actually won a playoff series and played in the conference finals against Seattle and lost. But the only reason that Denver and Portland were, were, were not once again matched up as they have been in 1977, and I talked to Bill Walton years ago about this, and Bill Walton said that was the best playoff series I ever played in for pure basketball. 1977, uh, uh, going against Dan Issel and David Thompson and the Nuggets and kind of a revenge series for Walton because David Thompson had beaten his UCLA Bruins out of a national title in 1974, a title that Walton still feels is the missing piece 
in his career. It is still very, very upset that UCLA didn't beat David Thompson, North Carolina State. So, uh, 1977-78 season begins, and Portland's all but unbeatable. Walton's playing great, even better than he played the year before. He's playing in most all of the games, and all of a sudden his foot cracks. And that's the beginning of a series of injuries that apart from the 85-86 mm-hmm. season when he came off the bench at Boston on perhaps the greatest single-season team of all time, and Walton was relatively healthy finally in 85-86, immediately had foot problems again after that and really never played after the 85-86 season. But up until 85-86, it had been about, what, six, seven years uh, <laughs> of agony for Walton. Uh, he was traded to the Clippers. He hardly played at all, whether the Clippers were in San Diego or Los Angeles, finally convinced Red Auerbach to sign him. But for the first 58 to 60 games of that season, I don't know that anybody ever played the center position any better than Bill Walton played it for those 60 games. And but that once year, the foot problems started, right. they never really... Uh, he played only 14 games in the next four seasons because of those injuries. Exactly. Interestingly, as you pointed out, correctly so, the, the Nuggets actually won the season series with the Blazers that year, three games to one. The only after game, losing in six games the previous year. The, the only game they lost, the Nuggets lost, was after Walton was out, the second to last regular season game. In the three games in which Walton played, the Nuggets beat every one of them. Every one of them. Yeah. And, and so Walton becomes the exception. But keep in mind, we talked about LeBron winning in t- 2011 and 12 with 62 and Giannis with in 29-20 with 63. Because if you take Kuzi and Malone's numbers, the percentage that the games that they played were higher than what 65 games out of 82 is now. So you have to kind of set that aside. Let's think about percentages instead, right? But earlier today, and, and when when you, I should say, I should actually say earlier in the week, pardon me, earlier in the week, Bill Simmons on his podcast had talked about the idea of Joel Embiid, the, the reigning MVP, Nikola Jokic, and this is a little bit before uh, the, the matchup, you know, had occurred. The idea of of the two of these guys and where they fit for this year. Embiid's numbers when he plays are ridiculous right now. He's yeah. playing uh, absolutely phenomenal basketball when he's on the court. But Simmons had an argument that kind of backs up the idea that, yeah, like value is cumulative. I mean, him missing the Denver game. I'm just done talking about Embiid and Jokic. I'm not doing it anymore. Like, I, yeah. I'm out. I'm completely out. Jokic plays. Jokic has right. come through in big games, and Jokic won the title. And his mm-hmm. playoff performance resume for the age that he's at in his career is unbelievable. And we cannot compare Embiid to him anymore because Embiid scored 70 against Zach Collins and Victor Wembanyama on a Monday night and then missed the Saturday it. game. I'm done. I'm with you. It's kind of hard to argue that. I mean, I get when he plays, but who knows? You know, maybe uh, Embiid, who can only miss roughly a handful of games, and I mean, you know, literally a handful, you have five fingers, that's about it, that he can't win the MVP. Now, obviously, that was very important to him to win an MVP. He lobbied really hard a couple years ago. He lobbied hard last year and and it was he was not undeserving and when you're talking about when he's on the floor if he were to play 65 games and keep doing what he's doing he'd be deserving again speaking of bill walton you have joel Embiid, who has had foot problems knee problems um, a few other injuries too but those have been the main ones that have kept him out for long periods of time listen uh joel Embiid's going to the hall of fame whether he wins a championship in Philadelphia or not, whether he wins a championship anywhere or not. 
but uh, you should be thankful for the MVP he got last year. Uh, he's not going to win it this year, and it has nothing to do with Jokic. No. Because there are other deserving candidates apart from those two, believe it or not. Now, he was putting up incredible scoring numbers and rebounding and an improved playmaker yeah, and all he's that. He's been no, great. He's been actually he's been this year when great. he's played a better player than he was last year I when agree. he won the MVP. The thing with Jokic is Jokic keeps getting better too year after year after year. Whether he wins the MVP or not, the improvement is constant and anybody who follows basketball understands that. But as we saw last night in Oklahoma City, there's a fellow named Shea Gilgis Alexander. Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, there's a guy in Minnesota named Anthony Edwards. They're good candidates, too. They're they're realistic candidates. Boston's got Tatum. Uh, who am I leaving out? I, I The Knicks have Brunson. Brunson's not going to win it. Um, so it, with the top five teams in the league, Boston, Minnesota, Denver, OKC, maybe to a lesser extent the Knicks, you have MVP candidates who actually play in basketball games. And it, it, it's not the league's fault that Joel Embiid keeps getting hurt and maybe plays when he shouldn't have played the other night. And, and I think it, it is important that he is hurt. He is hurt. He has a well, lengthy injury history. And he's not playing surgery Thursday. History. He's going to be out he's a while. hurt. That's different yeah. than, than do- he didn't dodge Nikola no. Jokic. No. He intended to play, obviously, and yeah, then the staff up. held him back. He is legitimately hurt, but at a, at a certain point, value is, as you pointed out, cumulative. Yeah. And, you have and, an 82-game regular season. By the way, you just, can only just, be so valuable when you bring it. Check this: the league investigated and fined the 76 or 75,000. They, did. they So did. it wasn't because Embiid refused to play. No. It was because the, the medical staff medical slashed play, yeah. the 76ers refused to put him on an injury report. And, you know, that affects betting lines, right. as we all know. And it affects fan experience. Absolutely. And so, rightly, the league determined that there was medical, organizational malfeasance, and so they fined him seventy-five grand. And obviously, that's a drop in the bucket, but the point gets made. And, and earlier today... Well, who else do they find? They find somebody else, 25000 Yeah, the, the, they definitely would like to tighten this up a little bit. You know, it's, it's you don't want teams to start thinking it's okay to hide injuries. You don't really want it to to go that route, especially now, where, as you pointed out, you know, betting is, is legal in a monstrous amount of states. So, I mean, it, it's, it's a big part of it, and these leagues have partners, and that matters, too. The Pelicans were also fine. Pelicans, right. thank you. That's right. And, and well, you know, the Pelicans play fast and loose all the time too. Correct. Their injuries, Zion at the top. Of well, and that's that's the Although challenge. I don't right? think it was Zion. In it wasn't case. this time, but yeah, you're talking about the, those those histories. The history of it. We bring some of those players from the past into it because earlier today, and I, I, I certainly have my disagreements with with Stephen A. Smith, but the, when when he's right, he's right. Uh, talking on on Get Up Today with uh, with with. Notoriously not retired, Chris Magdog Russo. The two had an opportunity to talk about uh, the idea of this MVP and re- responding to Halliburton's idea that's a stupid rule. As we just pointed out, there's really only two MVPs in the history of the league that wouldn't have hit 
that benchmark, essentially. And we'll even get to that in a minute. But here's what they said. How is it somebody one day is going to have to explain to me how can you play in the 70s, the 80s, the 90s? Technology wasn't what it is today. The money that they're making today far exceeds the money that they once made. But notice how dudes played, not just to uplift the sport, but to take care of themselves because the little bit of pot that was available to them, they knew that they had to go to work. It's amazing what you do when there's a level of urgency attached to it. When, when oh, you got to do this in order to get paid. Suddenly you see cats out there. But when you I know don't think the they money- were doing it for the 500,000. I think it's more the bragging rights, the pride of winning the in-season well, tournament. All I could yeah, say I to you, you respect, money? respectfully, Molly, all I can say to you is this. Watch the in-season tournament games compared to some of these other games. You see the difference. Everybody sees it. Yeah, but Everybody you think sees those it. Lakers players are worried about 500,000? For, um, for their bench guys, they are. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. For, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's for fair. Some of the, I'm not talking about the marquee guys. LeBron oh, that's might have what I thought you were saying. Reason. I'm like, why no, are not they him, not worried about that? But I'm just that? talking about the lower guys. But I'm just saying, in the end, again, it's not all, it's not most, but far too many have been too outspoken about how this is a new day, this is a new era, or whatever. This is why you have Hall of Fame players in the ears of people like me and others screaming in my face to hold folks accountable because if it were us, you would have held us accountable. Why are you letting them off the hook? They are. It is absolutely the truth without question. And anybody, anybody, that wants to debate me on that. I'm talking about one of these players. Name the time and place and I'll show up. 100% right. I can't. I don't know what else to say. I'll say four quickly. What about protecting their bodies? Ah, stop protecting what their bodies. Just... How many times did Stevie and I be in a New York Nick locker room in, this, in the 90s and I got Ewing, who's got two I... bad knees with his feet in the ice buckets, Basically can't walk, and he's out there any two games a year. But maybe they don't want to do that to their Well, I mean, why not? Beat them that, that, that's up. for being a professional but athlete. You're not 100% body. every day. You show up and work, don't you? He's not 100% every day. He's bouncing around America. He shows up and work. I got to work. I mean, gee whiz. And I blame Popovich. Popovich had a lot he's to do with this nonsense. Culprit. He's the ultimate And that is, why, that is why Stern never gave him the uh, job as the head coach of the Olympics. Interesting stuff, and of course, pardon me, I said get up, it's first take, Molly Caraman there as well. But uh, the, the Popovich stuff is intriguing because, yes, that is a big part of it. And you remember when load management, before we called it load management, but either David Robinson or Tim Duncan or whoever was, was taking a day off here and there. And uh, at the time, when asked about it, Popovich used to call them schedule losses, where he'd realize, okay, they're playing their third game in four days. I'm going to rest my big man. We're probably going to lose this game anyway. And at the time, Stern kept levying heavier and heavier and heavier fines at what point specifically on Popovich, not even the Spurs. And it didn't dissuade him because Popovich's mandate was to try to go win a title again. Sure. And that's where the league has gone. And the idea behind it, of course, is that you want to maximize your opportunities to win a championship. And this is where there's a little bit of cross purposes, right? A coach's job is to do whatever they can do to, to go win a title. And if they believe that resting a person is the the right choice, then that's what they should do. But this is a product you sell to fans, whether watching on television, whether watching in person. And this is a league that is also marketed around stars. And they are at spots where they're they're not intersecting correctly. They, They can be out of alignment. And this is the attempt to fix it in a limited fashion. And it's not 
that much of a stretch. Because when you talk about the 65 games out of 82, that's about 78% of the games. If you lowered it to 75%, which is the way you and I kind of looked at it when we talked about Kuzi or Malone, but they far exceeded that. That number 62. So if you were to say 75%, just say 75% of the games, you'd have to play 75% to win your major awards. Only Bill Walton, 67 out of the 68 MVPs would have already crossed that benchmark. As it stands, 65 out of the 68 have. So stupid rule, look, it's basically never happened. Well, it, it, this is where if Adam Silver had been around and people were pulling this stuff in Kuzi's era, let's say, all right? It wouldn't have been 65 games. It would have been proportionally less. Roughly, 65 right. 65 games. He, he's About. dealing with 65 games out of 82. Now, I agree with you. It should be a percentage. 75%. Flat, 75% of the games. That rounds up to 62. Okay. That, that seems enough to me. And it also seems clear to me that unless about I don't know, 8, 10 of the best players in the league take the year off. You, you can't win an MVP anyway. In my opinion, you can't even be all NBA. we got to be on the Unless court. Unless you play 62 games or more. You can't miss 20-plus games, actually 21-plus games, right? To, mi- to miss it at 75%. And, and right. be an MVP winner. And you can't, you can be a candidate, you can't be a winner. Um, people can talk about you, he's performing at an MVP level when he performs, when he plays. And I think you can say that too about all NBA. And, and Smith There's right. too many stars who play 70 games or more. Put them on the first and second or third all NBA teams. Whatever, whatever the right. qualification. The reason for this rule is because it puts money on the line. All NBA, MVP, it's all these contract. awards are in contracts. Yeah. And they lead to the Supermax contracts. Right. Which is one of the things that we believe, and I think a lot of people believe Jamal Murray in the early part of the season was trying to push to be an all-star because, yeah. or all NBA, because that leads to a bigger contract down right. the road. And right. so now when you put a hard line on it and say you have to get, you have to play as many games to get it, there's a direct correlation. You have to play if you want the top money. Right. And everyone makes a ton of money in the NBA, the players do. So how do some of them keep score? Their contracts. Well, you want the big one? Get out and play the game. And I don't think there's fans that have any issue with it. We will see. Well, one of the people, with Joel Embiid presumably not going to be playing enough, Nikola Jokic most likely will. But if he's sad again, you know, you start closing it a little bit. Jokic is a long way away. They had an opportunity to see one of the people who might be the MVP last night when the Nuggets lost the Thunder. We'll talk about that next on Miley Sports. Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. 
The Denver Nuggets yesterday, without Nikola Jokic, of course, went to the Oklahoma City Thunders home and fell 105 to 100, as expected, without Jokic. Oklahoma City, of course, really, really good uh, this year. Without Jokic, it was difficult. Peyton Watson inserted into the starting lineup with the 21 minutes. Not his strongest performance when you're talking about the shooting, 3 for 10, but in a game in which they lost, he was. Uh, plus 13 was. in his 21 minutes. Uh, Jamal Murray with 16 points. Uh, Contavious Caldwell Pope with 11. And Aaron Gordon with the big night, 16 points, 13 boards, 7 assists. With a pretty good shooting, 7 for 16 night. The, not, not bad at all. The fly in the ointment with Aaron Gordon. Um, the weakness in his game is the free throw, free throw. shooting. One and for six. You lose by five, he goes one for six. Yep. Now, I understand he missed the last one that he missed. On purpose. Right. Late in the game. Okay. So I, oh, four I, blocks, I thought way, he was wonderful. Two. I thought blocks. he was wonderful. I thought he was their best player uh, last night. Uh, the bench, uh, you got 16 from Jackson, 10 from Brown, but uh, neither. Was Holiday and Najee really effective. gave you nothing of value. Well, well, Holiday and Najee gave you nothing. They nothing. So, uh, they, so they, you know, they were thin. And uh, apart from Gordon, I uh, didn't think it was, uh, you know, Porter shot six for 17, not a yeah. great game. Murray six for 14, not a great they game. They didn't even hit 40% as a team. Uh, they Fell just shot short. under 40%. You don't win games that Pove, way. three for 10. Uh, Reggie Jackson, five for 12. Uh, among those players, uh, Watson, three for 10. Uh, Watson, Porter, Murray, KCP, Reggie Jackson, 23 for 63, 36.5%. And as you point out, 39.8% overall yeah. from the field. Actually, they shot the three ball Better at a higher they, yeah. percentage than they did the, uh, the, the two, two ball. Uh, 15 for 37 on threes. Uh, five missed free throws by Gordon accounted for 11 of 16 from the line. Uh, they were beaten off the boards. And uh, although Gordon had 13 rebounds, uh, nobody else was in double figures or even close no. uh, in rebounding. And uh, I thought... Uh, as good as Gilgis Alexander always is, and again, he was the high scorer with 34, the player of the game was Chet Holmgren. I agree. 18 points, 13 rebounds, three assists, five blocks. Uh, boy, he blocks a lot of shots, uh, and, and especially against the Nuggets, he seems to. Only two turnovers, plus 13 in 32 minutes. They, they kind of restrict him some on, on the minutes. He was out all he's last so, year, he, and, he's so and they're slender. a little cautious. They're yeah. a little cautious with him. Uh, on the minutes, but uh, boy, they are well coached. They are very, very well coached. Uh, Dagnall's an excellent coach. And you look at the Nuggets, in and City. you don't even have to really know very much, but I mean, you could say, you know, you look at NBA box score, one team shot 39.8% from the field, 68.8% from the free throw line, and had more turnovers than, a, or pardon me, had more fouls than they even had assists. Yeah. I got beaten on the boards. You, you, you know, you lost. Yeah. Uh, it was yeah. kind of remarkable, quite frankly, they were within five. Actually, uh, it was funny. Uh, Oklahoma City, uh, 42.5% feel not great, but made 42.3% of their threes. It, it was weird. The three-point yeah. shooting overall last night was better than the two-point shooting overall. Yeah, it was, it was a poor shooting night. Weird game. Lou Dort, weird three game. for 11. Giddy, yeah. two for 11. Uh, no, nobody could shoot. I don't know. Maybe the lights were weird or something out there in OKC, but... Uh, not a shock the Nuggets end up losing that game, and I don't think. But well, that's you, where Gordon came in. Gordon, I don't was think an you think defensive. of it very much. I don't think you worry about it. It's you know you didn't have Jokic. You're on the road against a good team. Okay, whatever. The 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 next two are interesting with Portland, and the question is what happens with Jokic. I think, and 
you and I are both of the mind that at, at this point, and even though we talked about the whole resting idea just a little bit ago in MVPs, that's where I, I think that discussion becomes interesting because for certain players, Joel Embiid's maybe one of them. He has an MVP. He has to sit. He's not going to play enough games. Oh, well. In Nikola Jokic's case, uh, he's still definitely on pace to play enough games to win an MVP. And by the way, in Vegas, he has moved to being the odds-on favorite into winning the MVP again because no one believes Embiid's going to play enough games in right. order to qualify. Right. But the truth is Jokic has won two of them and probably doesn't care that much either. What he'd like is if you're going to give him a, a MVP trophy, he'd like another one of those finals MVP trophies, not worrying about the regular season. So for the Nuggets, the, the challenge would be finding out if, if Jokic just needed a day or if sitting him out on Friday against the Trailblazers coming off a big win and then them going on the road might be worth it. I have a tough time thinking that Michael Malone's going to be able to keep Nikola Jokic out of both games against Portland. But maybe he sits Friday and you have an opportunity to give him a decent chunk of time off there that back to, to stop acting up on him. And I think for the Nuggets, that's the right choice because even if they play like this, at home against Portland, it's probably enough to win. Oh, I think so. If they play probably we saw some did it last semblance night, of defense. Probably. Some semblance of defense. And with Gordon out there, and frankly, KCP, uh, two excellent defensive players in the starting lineup. Watson defends well. Uh Brown pretty well off the bench. Um you have enough. You have enough defensively to hold them down. That uh, Port- Portland is not a big team per se. Uh, I watched Aiton last night, and that's the best game I've seen Aiton play in years. He, he was uh, great. He was hot from the field. Yeah, I mean, he was making jumpers last night, which uh, you know normally I'd consider that to be out of his shooting range, any jumper of almost any length, and he was making them last night. So uh, we'll we'll see what happens with that matchup. It'll be interesting to see how the Nuggets go. Um, defensively, uh, when Aiton starts the game, who do they put on him? Uh, do they put Gordon on him? I don't know. Put Gordon on Jeremy Grant? Maybe. Uh, we'll, we'll see how that... Or maybe you should maybe you put games. Watson on Grant Yeah, with the, the length there. And Losing both games would hurt the Nuggets. It uh, would. It, it would bury them in, the, in that fourth position. Mm-hmm. You have to understand, uh, Minnesota's won 7 out of 10. Actually, Oklahoma City's only won six out of ten, even with the game last night. But the Clippers are hot. They are. They won eight out of ten, and uh, the Nuggets are one down in the loss column to the Clippers and Oklahoma City. They really two don't down want to drop Minnesota below in the loss column, and they're only three up on Sacramento in the loss column. Although they're effectively five games out of Sacramento and seven games out of Phoenix. They they aren't looking over their shoulder, but if they're looking ahead to those other three teams. Uh, yeah, they they have a little bit of an advantage on the Clippers in Oklahoma City, but they're actually a couple games behind Minnesota in plus-minus. So, uh, listen, the, the Nuggets are doing fine against the plus teams. More road wins and home losses. They're 12 and 13. You'd rather have 13 or more wins, but that 12 and 13 is okay. They remain 21 and 3 against... The bad teams. Right. Uh, the teams they with, beat, they beat who they're supposed with to beat. more road losses than home wins. So, and the three games they've lost have all been to Houston, and I was earlier in the season. Otherwise, they're unblemished. That's 87.5%. And now they play 25 games against good teams and 24 games against bad teams. 
So you can't say the schedule's really tilted one way or the other. Their home road uh, number of games played is pretty close to being even. So when you project the Nuggets out as a 50-55 to win team, that's the pace they're playing at, Sean, at the moment. And the schedule does get a little bit easier starting with the Portland games this weekend. It does. And and Minnesota, I think when you look at the Timberwolves construction, we we will see what happens when the playoff rolls around. But I think they're very well – they're a team that you look at that is very well built for regular season basketball. It's going to be hard to see them roll into a really prolonged slump. I think that will be difficult. So Minnesota may be tough to unseat. Uh, Oklahoma City obviously is very good. Well, Coach, as you pointed out, but you, you talk about the Clippers, Sandy. Yeah, they won eight of their last 10, but get this. In their last 28 games, they're 23-5. and five. I mean, the Clippers aren't just hot. They are blazing. They have looked like yeah. the best team in the league. Everything has come together. Other than the Knicks. Yes. They're in the same stretch. Yes. And, and Clippers and the Knicks. I think with the Clippers, with the players you have, one of the worries, same with the Suns, who have crept their way up into sixth place, is injuries. How long with all of those guys and their injury histories will they stay together? How long can Kawhi Leonard stay healthy? How long can Paul George stay healthy? Uh, Westbrook discredits kind of an energizer bunny, and, and so is Harden, and they seem to have found a way to work together. But you do wonder about the injury situation, and, and, and we'll see. But at the moment, the Clippers look terrific. I mean, they are really playing good basketball, and you're the Nuggets. You don't want to go any lower than four. You'd like to be higher. If I'm the Nuggets, I'm still not sweating bullets if I'm in four. And there is a gap. There is still a big gap between them and the Kings and the and the Suns. It's about it's four and a half games, so you have plenty of room to maneuver there. It's actually more than it looks like because Sacramento and Phoenix have both had favorable schedules. Right. Uh, yes. Exactly. And, and in in the Suns' case, you really don't know how they'll be able to stay together, though they have won eight of their last ten as well. But this is a weird weekend all of a sudden because when you look at a, a Portland team that's fifteen and thirty three after their win last night, you want to make sure. Uh, Jokic's health is paramount. It's got to be the first thing you discuss. But at the same time, you're right. You you lost against the Thunder. You can live with that. But you don't want to compound that with a couple of losses against a Trailblazers team that you should absolutely beat, especially at home. So I'd be surprised if Jokic misses both. Quite frankly, with Jokic, I'd be a little surprised if he misses either of them because I do think the Nuggets are probably cognizant they're in the middle of a, a, a... a little bit of a scrum right now, and they want to find a way to break out of it. And the, the way to do that is probably start the best player on earth, and that will probably be enough to knock off Portland. But the the Western Conference, folks, is going to be a fight. There are four really good teams right now, the ones we just talked about, the Timberwolves, the Thunder, the Clippers, and the Nuggets. And at the moment, with two games separating first to fourth, you could just throw them in a hat. So all of a sudden, these regular season games, of which I think early in the year, the Nuggets have sometimes, especially on the road, maybe slept walked through a couple of them. I think that's probably a fair assessment. It may be time to tighten that up a little bit because you, you have to go ahead and, like you've talked about, they've beaten the bad teams. You're at home. You have to sweep these guys. You have to sweep. You have to welcome Chauncey Billups back, and then you got to beat him twice. You can't let these things just pass you by because you're in the mix, and these these other teams will slip past you because they'll probably beat Portland. It's... It will be challenging for the for the Nuggets over the course of the season. It's not as if they're out of it by any stretch. They could very well end up as the first seed. But their investment in time will have to change a little bit. I want to remind you over at Superbook Sports, we're changing the game. Win some money this season with Superbook, the most trusted name in sports gambling, with a direct line to Las Vegas. And now when you use the promo code MILEHIGH, you can score up to $250 with their first bet bonus. And that means 
It's easy. Win or lose, Superbook will match your first bet up to $250 with the promo code MILEHIGH. Download that Superbook Sports app, enter the promo code MILEHIGH, and you'll get $250 courtesy of Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. The Colorado Avalanche are getting the necessary rest. Well, at least everybody but Nathan McKinnon, Kale McCarr, and Alexander Georgiev because they're at the All-Star game. Uh, well, at the moment, even drafting players. We'll talk a little bit about where the Avs stand at the break, the trade situations that are now moving around the league, and the, how the addition of Zach Parise may change the Avs calculus. We'll do that with the Denver Gazette's Kyle Fredrickson next. You know when you, if you have a dog, a lot of your dog owners, I mean, it's Colorado, right? I mean, a lot of your dog owners, it's basically, a, basically the state religion, Subarus and dogs. So, uh, it, but, you know, you've ever had the dog, you get, there's a noise, and the dog gets confused, and they kind of tip their head sideways. You know what I'm talking about. They kind of do that weird, hmm? That weird, you know, do I, did, I leave, did I leave the gas on? Hmm? Kind of weird look. That's what I got from Sandy and, and Danny Bailey, and, and rightly so, because uh, I miss, uh, we would say in game situations, I mismanaged the clock. <laughs> <laughs> However, Kai Kyle did, Fredrickson will join us. Not, <laughs> he will join us, but he'll join us at the top of the hour. Be a little later. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's not CSU blowing a nine-point lead in the final forty seconds. No, the other no. day, and it's not Kentucky with less than thirty seconds to go in regulation. Yeah, at home last night against Florida, blowing a four-point lead game like the CSU game with Wyoming goes to overtime and Florida actually beats Kentucky uh, last night. Boy, what a college basketball weekend uh, ahead. Oh my. Uh, ESPN's got a triple letter tomorrow and I think I have this right in order. Houston at Kansas. Yeah, on Saturday. Yeah. See? See? I go. All right. I think it's Friday. Yeah. Uh, I wish it was Friday. On Saturday. Yes. (laughs) Obviously, my brain is on Friday mode, obviously. So, yeah. Houston poor, Kansas. Poor Danny's back there. He's like, man, these guys are idiots. Uh, don't know where the Duke-North Carolina game is, but it really doesn't matter. That's a great rivalry. Yeah, it is in, North, then, it is in uh, North Carolina. And it's then in Chapel Hill. Kentucky-Tennessee. Right. And now, Kentucky won't be At top Rupp. 10 after losing to Florida, but for now, they're still 10th. And well, Tennessee lost and, earlier this week. Yeah, you beat Tennessee at five. And they're number five. Maybe. So I mean, both yeah. teams are coming off losses. How about that? You got your five and 10 ranked teams in the country both coming off losses. Oof. Uh, Houston and Kansas Hungry. both coming off wins, and uh, Duke, North Carolina, uh, who basically rule the roost once again in the ACC. Yep. Other than Clemson, there's nobody else who's any good in the ACC this year. Uh, Maybe Clemson. Uh, so Duke, North Carolina, that's uh, got all kinds of implications. And, boy, North Carolina is a funny program. They went to the national championship game against Kansas, had a 15-point lead. At the half two years ago, lost mm-hmm. a game. Come back last year, they're number one preseason in the country. They don't even make the tournament. Disastrous year. They come back this year, and people aren't real high on them. And they're in the top they are, five they are now. Number three. Now they lost the other night. Yeah, another team coming. It's off kind of a amazing loss. how many how many teams have come off a loss here, and it's. I, I do wonder in college basketball if we're seeing, again, the same impact, and obviously it, it does impact it. This is a little bit, and I I don't want to overstate it, but the 
preponderance of television, when we've talked about college athletics over the last decade, a couple decades has really changed things because it used to be if you were one of the top prospects, whether it's football or basketball, you go to the big school because you know you'll be on TV, even though it means you maybe have to sit a year or two behind this really stacked roster. Now, all of a sudden, you look at it and you decide, hey, I'm a, I could step in as a freshman and play for Utah State. And, and and all of a sudden, you know, Utah State can be ranked, and I'm we're on television all the time. Instead of sitting on the bench at North Carolina, I can be the big man on this program. Sure. And I think that the preponderance of television now means you don't necessarily, if you're ready to play and you can impact the program, you don't have to go to a bigger program and sit and wait. You can play right now. And NIL factors in that as well. Sure. Because obviously, if, if you can be playing at Utah State, and you keep Utah State ranked, look, the NIL money will find you. So the desire that used to exist in college sports to consolidate the talent in a handful of what we used to call blue blood schools, right? It goes away. I mean, look at the names in the rankings. Utah State, New Mexico's back. Florida Atlantic is there. Uh, You have, just sitting outside it, you know, you have your, your old Miss, your Colorado State, St. Mary's, Indiana State, yeah. Boise State, who got a win over New Mexico in the pit last night. Boise State's good. Uh, McNeese received yeah. votes. Appalachian State received yeah. votes. Uh, it is, it's not quite parody, but now it's not a huge shock when these top 10 teams yeah. fall because the talent is getting dispersed. And again, I, I don't, however you tend to feel about college basketball or, or college football and NIL and what it changes. But what I see is that it works and it's leveling the playing field. And so for for fans and boosters and alums of virtually any school, all of a sudden your squad can be competitive. If it's recruited well, if it's supported well, you can go ahead and be in the mix. And I think that's a great thing for college basketball. I don't want to tune in and and know that Kentucky and Duke are just going to clean house until the tournament. I like being able to watch right now and find out there's upsets and interesting things. I, I love it. It's and, great. That, and that game, Florida-Kentucky last night, that was a terrific game. It, it, whether you had rooting interest or not, that's just a terrific game to watch. It's a great college basketball game. Um, I think you get that just about every night in college basketball. The CSU game the other night with uh, San Diego State, terrific college basketball game. Really good. I mean, it was more physical mm-hmm. than maybe some would prefer, but Baskets were hard to come by, and the two CSU guards were great, Clifford and Stevens. I mean, I guess they start three guards, but really the the starting backcourt, essentially, if you had to name two guys, two main guys are Clifford and Stevens, and that's a great backcourt. And we got Simpson and Hadley up at CU and Boulder. Great backcourt, maybe about as good a backcourt as there is in the Pac-12 anyway. And... You know, DU's got the leading score in the nation. Yeah, he's a guard. I, I that's that still seems almost unfathomable, and he, and here it is. So I mean, it's and Clifford's a transfer from CU, from CSU, CSU, and with CU, it would have been hard for him to crack the starting Correct. lineup. Now he plays thirty five minutes a game for CSU. It's it's about why, time. why shouldn't he be able to exactly. transfer? And it's an equalizer, and it's it's really I think it's really healthy. It, it makes. Too many times, and I'm, I'm guilty of it, because growing up here in Colorado, we know that the, the success of, of the, the programs here have been few and far between. There's been blips, right? There's been blips. And so college basketball, growing up here, I didn't, I didn't always follow very closely, because in general, it, 
wasn't consistently compelling. And now there's an opportunity to sort of change that around because you talk about, yeah, even even and meet Clifford from CU to yeah. CSU. It, it changes things. And and it also means that if you're CSU not one of those big schools. CSU would not have won the other night without no. And, and they might not have beaten CU earlier in the year. Correct. Nick Clifford. And, and now you can do that. These these teams, players can move around a little bit. The, the teams can get better. They can build. And, and the smart schools that are even the smaller ones, the CSUs, who have spent a lot of this season ranked or just outside the ranking, you can manage to finagle your way into being in that mix, at least for a little while. And now all of a sudden you sit there and it, it almost certainly won't happen, but here we are in February, only a couple of weeks out from the conference tournaments with DUCU and CSU all having a chance to make a real chance to be in, in, in the 68 now tournament. And that's remarkable. And I don't think it happens. It, it is television and NIL combined. That's what helps because it used to be, you have to sit and wait your turn. And now if you're an athlete, you don't have to wait. You don't have to be Cody Williams a, a top, you know, 10 prospect in the country to be able to play in as a freshman, you can find the program that works for you and they'll play you. And that's great. And it's great for players and it's great for fans. I just don't see a downside to it. And it all of a sudden makes the regular season infinitely more compelling. I was one of those guys my whole life. I started paying attention to college basketball. Super Bowl wrapped up. Now I'll start paying attention to college basketball. Conference tournaments are a few weeks. Now I'll start. I really haven't been paying attention until that point. And this year, I'm finding myself paying because more attention. Because the locals attention. are good. The locals are good, and because the top teams get upset. There are games. Exactly it's, right. it's no longer a guarantee. Hey. The top te- I'm watching top ten team play. They could lose any night. Purdue played Northwestern the other night. At Purdue. Had to go overtime. Mm-hmm. Purdue did to win the game. And the foul shooting discrepancy was a plus 38 in favor of Purdue, Ooh. and they still had to go overtime to win the game. And that's what the best. And they might have the best, the player, best player in the country, in the country. Zach Eady. Right. So, I mean, you're talking about a really compelling season, and I think it's going to continue to go this way. The tournament last year was fascinating. It will be again this year. And, and it will be. And I don't really think can't... it matters if you're a one seed, two seed, three seed, Doesn't or four seed. Like I don't think it matters because there are four seeds under the right circumstances. It can certainly beat on a neutral court a one seed. And. You know, you're going to find those matchups. I mean, all the four seats aren't going to go up, uh, get upset, and all no. the one seats aren't going to get up. So you can see one versus four. You're going to see how tight it is between one versus four. And I, I bet you see at least one of those four seats beating a one seat. But you're talking one. about the, you know, basically the top 16 teams in the country. Yeah. When the tournament starts, all having a realistic chance not to, Absolutely. Not to compete, Absolutely. but to win the whole thing. You know, and I, I look at Kentucky, and I don't root for Kentucky. Um, uh, although I was impressed when I went to a Final Four a few years back in Kentucky. Actually, I went to two that Kentucky was in. And one of the years, Kentucky was undefeated. And I actually liked Calipari more than I thought I would. Uh, yeah, this is quite a few years ago. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Kentucky, uh, from the days of my youth, I remember Duke played Kentucky one year for the national title, and Kentucky won, and I really was upset about that and it, it, Kentucky just offended me because they were uh, you know they, they had a coach in Joe B. Hall mm-hmm. coach of Regis uh, once upon a time and he succeeded Adolph Rupp and you know the line about don't succeed the legend right succeed the, the guy, guy succeeds the right. legend well 
Joe B. Hall came in after Adolph Rupp, and naturally there were people, and I don't know if this is true or not, I thought Joe B. Hall undercut Adolph Rupp uh, in his later years. Adolph Rupp was kind of like Murray Armstrong. Uh, you know, probably stayed a little too long. But anyway, um, I, I hated the fact that Kentucky won. And I didn't mind the Kentucky players at all. I, I just didn't like what they seemed to represent. And I didn't like their fan base either because their fan base acted like, and Calipari's felt some of this too. Every time they lose a game, uh, they want to run the coach off. Uh, unless it was Rupp. Right. Unless it was Rupp. Uh, every coach since Rupp that lose a game, the, the fans want to run them off. Uh, but it, it's, it's going to be very exciting. Uh, this year in Kentucky's got a terrific team. They're young, uh, but it, you know, 94, 92 in overtime. That's worth watching. Yeah. I mean, the nugget game was one Oh five to 100. Absolutely. Last night we talked about how low the shooting percentages were. Yeah. It, and it's, it's interesting. You, you look at that, especially that Kentucky program is when that run and you know, Jamal Murray came out of that run, but you think of the freshmen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when, when you look at the, and how many guys, you know, left as, as freshmen, yeah. Um, you, you watch some of the better players in the league now. They they are from Kentucky, yeah, and they were often one and dones. But I mean, Kentucky, uh, and they developed just fine. Think of this: Jamal Murray's one and one and done year with Kentucky was 2015-2016, right? Yeah. Had after they had won their one national title under yes. Calipari, had some of the freshmen stayed that went to the draft, this yeah. would have been that year with Murray. You'd have Murray in a backcourt, presumably. Yeah. You'd have Jamal Murray and Devin Booker. Yes. Your front court would have been Carl Anthony Towns, uh-huh. Julius Randle, yeah. and either Nerlens Noel and Willie Cauley-Stein with the other coming off the bench. Right. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, that, that could have been it if, if, yeah. if you could have kept your players. That would have been their, right. their six top six guys. Right. That, that team might have gone unbeaten. I mean, who, who would have beaten that team? Well, they almost did one year going. I know. I, they, so, I mean, they lost in the tournament to Wisconsin. Yeah, I just silly that the talent that kind of goes goes through there, and yeah, it's and, and but then again, you look about that, and that's that's the and and they can lose just like anybody else. So it's it's an exciting time to, for college basketball. We'll get into, of course, the local squads tomorrow when we'll have an idea to take a look at their weekends as well but we do want to look at the colorado avalanche on the break uh, as they hit the all-star break now kale mccarr nathan mckinnon and alexander georgiev all all-stars everyone else enjoying a much deserved rest but we'll look at the avs what they might do next the trade deadline coming up very quickly we'll break that down with denver gazette's kyle frederickson who actually will be joining us next in my life sports Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Super Light Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So what can you do in a super light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Code SUPER24. 